0: It's good to be back, y'all. I missed last Sunday. Um, so um, I'm thankful for the opportunity to, to be able to miss a Sunday. I was actually scheduled to, to preach or speak, and uh, something happened to one of the leaders in, in, the, in uh, the church out, out in New Mexico that made it, made it so that I felt like I needed to be out there. And Debbie and I talked it over, checked it over with leadership here and out there and I, I bought a ticket and flew the next day so I was there Thursday of last week through Tuesday of this week and um, powerful time just as I said he's excited about what God's doing here. I am too. I hope that you are I just my excitement grows as I go other places because i I see some of the things that we're swimming in and we don't even know it. We're going we're gonna to look at one picture of Jesus today. But before we do, I want to tell you about something that happened to me as I was flying out to Albuquerque. You know, there's, I've got so many airplane stories. I've had crazy encounters on airplanes. Uh, when people talk about airplane stories a lot, you know they fly too much. And I've been all over the, the world and seen all kinds of things, but I pray before I get on the airplane because I've got a captive od- audience when I'm sitting there with somebody. You know, It's pretty hard for them to get up and move away. And so as I got on the plane here in, at, uh, at GTR, found a ticket that was fairly cheap from GTR to Albuquerque. How about that? Sat down... And I was enjoying my seat. And I was thinking, well, this time, Lord, it doesn't look like you're going to have anybody sit by me. And then all of a sudden, this family came on. And y'all, it was a father and a mother and two little children. And I was sitting there watching them. And I was going, please, Lord, don't let that uh, father sit by me. Because he was like six foot, I don't know, looked like seven foot, six foot five, 350 pounds, Big old guy, and I went, oh, boy. And, you know, the, the planes that fly out of GTR, they're, they're pretty uh, cozy. And, uh, and so I, I was sitting there watching him. Sure enough, this guy comes and sits right beside me. Y'all, I, I took a picture of him without him knowing it because I just wanted Debbie to see how high his legs were above my legs. I mean, his legs were about that high above my legs. I was sitting there going, "Well, this is going to be interesting." Lord, you put me in an interesting place. And and then another man comes on and he says, he sees the guy and recognizes him. I just don't know famous people. I just don't. I don't know. I just don't, I don't know if I don't can't remember it or what. But everybody's everybody to me, you know. And this guy, this this fellow says, "I can't believe you're here." He said, "You should be sitting in first class." so a little light went on, a little bell rang, and I thought, well, okay, if he's supposed to be. Of course, you don't have first class on the plane flying out of GTR. Everybody's sitting together nice and cozily. Uh, what's it? All up, all, all first class. Thank you from the Delta pilot. <laughs> so, so I'm sitting there, and this guy's filling up the chair, and I'm thinking, who is this? And I just looked at him and watched him for a few minutes, and I thought, this guy must play football. Basketball is a good guess too, but football. Because I mean, he was not only tall, he was like big. And so I thought that might be a good guess. So as we were about to take off, I said, so of course you must have played football. Now, I, I usually try to avoid, if I'm talking to somebody that obviously... Is a basketball player, I don't say, how tall are you or, you know, are you a basketball player? I've learned that lesson. But when I, what this guy said, so you must pl- have played football. And he kind of smiled and laughed and said, yeah. I said, four years at Mississippi State. Now, I also had a pretty good guess on what position he played. I at least thought I knew what he didn't play. Okay. He didn't look like a running back or quarterback to me or an end. And uh, so he, he, he turns out he was a lineman at Mississippi State for four years. And I went, Well, you're probably famous. And I mean, I said that. You're probably famous, and I don't even know you. I'm from Starkville. And uh, I said, Are you playing somewhere else? And he said, Yes. Uh, for Oakland Raiders, been playing for them for six years. And I've got four years left on the contract, and I went, okay, you are famous then, and um, but you know, and it turns out I'm sitting by Gabriel or Gabe Jackson, and and Big Gabe, who played for Mississippi State, he's sitting right beside me, and we're scrunched in, and y'all, because of that little conversation, y'all, I I understood. I ask him some questions based on his name, and before I knew it, the Lord did what he always does, and he takes me deeply into a spiritual conversation with somebody. I'm not going to get into the details of that with you, but I want to ask you, if you were sitting by somebody, would they be able to guess something about you? If I'm sitting by someone, would they be able to guess something about me? And in particular, would they see Jesus in me? You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians that uh, he was concerned that they'd be pulled away from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus. Simply Jesus. I'm excited about what God's doing here. And I'm excited about what God's doing in Albuquerque. And y'all, don't want to tell you what happened in Albuquerque this past weekend. I was in a, a part of something that just, man, God moved in a powerful way. And the prophetic things that happened, I ended up on a young adult's retreat. Powerful things happened there. And I ended up on my face for about an hour and a half on the floor on the night that I was supposed to speak and I didn't get to. They were going to throw me in just extra. And I didn't get a chance to do it because they were prophesying over me. You, you know, we need to understand a little bit more about prophesying, about prophecy, and about prophets. I'm excited about what's happening out there. And while we were leaving that retreat center on the way back to Albuquerque, you got the text from Sarah, Oklahoma. Andy Taylor, Jack Taylor's nephew, sent me a note. I've been sending him notes. Uh, several times over the past few months because I really believed something was going to break loose there with him. And I would told him before, don't stick with the script. Be available to go wherever the Lord takes you. I kept encouraging him in that. And he sent me a text. And he, he said, there, something broke loose this morning. And he said, I didn't get to preach. I can't talk now, but I'm looking forward to telling you about it. I went, oh, my goodness. It's happening there. Y'all, I'm not looking for just an event. But I do think there's something that's going to happen even here. It's already happened. We're swimming in it and we don't even know it. But I think that more is going to happen and we need to get ready for it. I think it happened during our worship time today. Aren't you enjoying our music and worship times? Aren't you enjoying that? Are you enjoying the flow of how the services are going now? We, You know, we've changed things. Josiah, you, you've done such a good job in helping us get there. Jake, with the worship and the different uh, worship leaders. But I'm excited about what's happening in that. Today, Jake, you went off prophetic in some of your singing, and then you... Followed up with scripture and prefaced it with scripture, and I, I just felt like I was taught. By the end of our worship time, I thought, well, shoot, we've gotten the whole sermon here. It was powerful. But you were saying what God says about us actually strips off what the enemy's saying about us, basically. That's prophecy. Y'all, if you hadn't guessed yet, we're going to talk about Jesus the prophet today. So, Isaac, could you start the uh, little PowerPoint? Oh, there it is. Jesus the Prophet, Simply Jesus series. This is a series on Simply Jesus. And I believe it's a model for discipleship that I think we're going to get something deeper here and it's going to be uh, transferable to other fellowships. There is no franchise, except there is no franchise. Okay? So, it's not going to be something that we cut out. Disciples of Jesus or new horizons, and pass that on. But it gives us a, at least some tracks to run on. So let's let's look at that briefly, if we if we could. Ephesians chapter four verses eleven through thirteen. You know, we've talked about the gifts of the Spirit. There's four lists of them. Romans chapter twelve is a motivational gifts. First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve, a manifestation and ministry gifts. But here in Ephesians chapter four verses eleven through thirteen. Here's what we find about the fullness of Jesus. And he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints in the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. These are the equipping gifts. They're not gifts given to people. These are people given to the church. They're given to the church to train us all to do exactly what those five things are. That means that if we want to know how Christians are supposed to be, so that if we're sitting beside someone, they get the full picture of what a Christian's supposed to be, all you've got to do is think on five tracks. Y'all, this is the most freedom we could ever have. A train that's on tracks has got incredible freedom. Often it wants to veer into the pasture, but what would happen then? Sometimes we in the church have great intentions and think that we're supposed to be in the right direction, but we veer off the tracks. These are simple tracks that God has given us. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers—these are tracks that, if we stay on and are fully on, we will find something of the fullness of Jesus. Jesus, there. Now, in every listing of the gifts of the Spirit, you'll find the word "body of Christ." Body of Christ. Would you say that with me, just so for emphasis? Body of Christ. That's a picture of Jesus. In 1 in Corinthians chapter 12, body is referred to 16 times in that one chapter, more than any other book in the Bible, the word body. And it's all wrapped up in the gifts of the Spirit. Well, look, look, let's just look at this. We, we've talked about the, the ministry of those five before. We've talked about having equippers up here. One of the beautiful things we have here is we've got different people that can speak and teach and model something different. I, I love that. I'm not preaching all the time. And we have different ones that actually model some of those different equipping gifts. I'm more of the apostolic equipping person. I I should flow in all of those. All of us should flow in all of those. But you release me to be able to go to Albuquerque and do those kind of crazy things. You know, I, I deleted Facebook a bunch of times, but I put it back because I want people to pray for Mozambique and, and Malawi. So I'm watching things all around the world, and that's an apostolic calling that's on me, and our church, our fellowship is marked by that. But you're not just marked by me. I may be a point person, I may be a vision carrying person, but I value the other four gifts. Active in our fellowship, and, and again, you know, we've looked at apostle, but uh, and we've looked at Jesus the apostle from Hebrews chapter three. Today, we're going to look at Jesus the the prophet. But look again at this. This is all about Jesus, y'all. It's all about Jesus. Move it to the next one, there, Isaac. Please. These are those verses again. Check it out. He personally, Jesus personally. Gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. To build up the body of Christ. Y'all, man, that, that's two things that are very Jesus-centered there, right? You can say yes. yes. Okay, check out verse 13. Build up the body of Christ, and then we find these phrases, the knowledge of God's Son. How many of you would like to know God's Son? Who is God's Son? The knowledge of God's Son, Jesus. To the mature man, there's a unity that's in this, unity in, and, and the mature man. That's the fullness of what God's called us to. And then the last thing, stature measured by Christ's fullness. How many times do we see Jesus in this passage? Is that not strong? It's like an exclamation point on the end of it. That's who Jesus is. If we want to minister like Jesus, we need to have these training uh, tracks that we run on in church. But if we want to know Jesus, we need to know these five areas. I actually believe this is exhaustive. I don't think there's any more areas. Because it talks about it being the fullness. It talks about the knowledge of God's Son, the body of Christ. You can find other passages that talk about him being the Alpha and Omega. And back in the 1600s, they zeroed in on three things about Jesus he's the prophet, priest, and king. And you'll find that in some of the, um, like the Westminster Catechism. And we're going to go there today. So just hang on. So this is all about Jesus, y'all. Go to the next one, Isaac. The fullness of the ministry of Jesus, we find apostles that are going, prophets that are guiding, evangelists that are gathering, and pastors that are guarding, and teachers that are growing. We've looked at that before. Some of you, this is new to you. We're actually going to have once uh, a a quarter, we're going to have a new members uh, orientation. And these are things that we're going to go over during that. So, I'm not going to go into the fullness of this, but go to the next one, Isaac. So I'm not going to take the time to go through each one of those. You've seen me, those of you that have been around, you've seen how I've... That's still just... I look at that and I think, I did a really good job drawing that. That's, that's just really fun. I love pictures that show what the Word's saying. But the apostles come in, build a foundation. The teachers help it to grow. The walls come up. The, and apostles and prophets bring the foundation Teachers help it to grow, and the pastors bring a guarding over that, and evangelists do the gathering. What a picture. So this is the fullness of the ministry of Jesus, but do you really, we want to know him. So the next slide shows this is the fullness of the knowledge of Jesus. This is where we're going. Things are getting more and more clear to me. I feel like I'm getting an accelerated understanding of Scripture. I'm getting more revelation and, and it's not old stuff. This is, this is new to me. There's nothing new under the sun. So I'm sure somebody else has seen this a bunch of times. I can't find it. I'm, I'm been, I've been looking. And I'm going to ask you to join me in helping me develop this. Okay, But if we want to have the fullness of the knowledge of God's son, which is what it says in Ephesians 4, we need to understand that Jesus is they, the apostle. We talked about that a few weeks ago. He's the sent one. The apostle, the one sent, fully uh, representing the one that sent him with the power to do it. He is the prophet we're going to look at today. He is the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. That's the fullness of knowledge of Jesus. I'm going to ask you in these weeks ahead, if you would, start looking and seeing how you can find Jesus, the prophet. Look it up. And do some digging into that. The prophet. We've already done the, the apostle. But I'm going to ask you to help me with that. If you don't have my text. My, my cell number. I, I want you to have it. If you, if you will commit to doing this. And text me what you get. Because I'm growing in my understanding of this. You see in, 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 in John chapter 12. Uh, There were some Greeks that came after Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. And it says that, you know, everybody was, like, in shock. And, And there were some Greeks that came and asked some of the disciples. They said, we would see Jesus. Isaac, go ahead. We would see Jesus. That's what they said. We all know that's not a real picture of Jesus, right? Okay, but just humor me and go with me. We would see Jesus. We've talked about the four-color separation that that picture can be made into if you were printing back in the old days when I worked in a print shop, that you could separate in four colors and you put each one of those colors down and you get that picture right there. But I'm afraid that what the world sees when they sit by us is more this Jesus. It's kind of fuzzed. They can't really tell who we are. By sitting with us. Don't don't we want to change that? You know, spend a little bit of time with somebody. You know, with me. I grew up in a Baptist church. Spend a little bit of time with me. You could probably figure out I was Baptist. You could probably figure out denominational streams that we all come from. But wouldn't it be beautiful that instead of people understanding our denominational backgrounds... That they would see, simply see Jesus. I'm not putting any denominations down. Because we can react and not be a part of the denomination. And create a non-denominational denomination. But the world is wanting to see Jesus. Those that are seeking. Those that have had some kind of encounter. And seen God moving. Would see Jesus. They want to see Jesus. But... The picture we give is maybe a fuzz one, but perhaps what if they saw Jesus the apostle in us? Now That's a picture of Jesus, but it's not the full picture, right? Just move on through these slowly. Jesus the prophet. I don't know. I picked these different colors to put them up there. And I picked five of them. And the, it's four-color separation, but I did five of them. Can you, you get the picture, though. People might see each one of these, the pastor, shepherd, the teacher. But, you know, when you put all of those together, what we want people to see is a very clear picture of Jesus. Simply Jesus, right? Amen? A few weeks ago, we looked at Jesus the apostle. That's number one in the series, the apostle. That was found in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Jesus the apostle, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Am I putting you all to sleep? Come on, stay with me. Today, I want us to look at Jesus the prophet. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, sorry. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. God has appointed Him heir of all things and made the universe through Him. I've got to read three. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature sustaining all things by his powerful word after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high so he, hebrews says that god had spoken to us in the past through prophets so let's 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 look at prophet really what he's saying is he spoke to us through prophets and basically is saying Jesus is the ultimate prophet. Now he's speaking to us through his son, who's not just the prophet, but he is the son. So let's look at the word prophet for just a minute. This is the last of the, um, of, of the PowerPoint. Go ahead and fill that on out. So, so prophet in the Greek, prophetess. Um, well, that didn't quite turn out so well. It looks better on mine, but oh well. Prophet, it actually means pro, which is before. And the fetes means uh, to tell, to speak. So before speaking. And there's two aspects to being a prophet. The forth telling part and the foretelling part. There's more, but we're going to keep it simple for this. Jesus, the prophet. The for, forth telling and the foretelling. Foretelling means speaking What God's saying. Foretelling is saying what's going to happen. In a way, what Jake was talking about today in our worship was prophetic. What God says can rip off what the enemy's lies are. So when we sing the truth, we, we, get, we get some incredible Jesus there. That straightens out all the stuff that doesn't look like him. There's an aspect of foretelling. You know, I don't watch news that much anymore because it's not news. Again, what we see on news is old. The real news is what's in the gospel. Um, but have you ever noticed that they, they have these things that come on? I think they still do it. In fact, I think they do it too much. They say breaking news. Have you seen that? It's always breaking news. Uh, I think they're broke. But uh, the breaking news, these reporters are rushing to find something that has just happened that is newsworthy, and they want to be the first ones there to break the news. Break the news. So, breaking news is talking about an event that has happened. But only God can speak of a thing before it happens. Isaiah says, who can speak of a thing before it happens? Only God. Turn to Isaiah chapter 41. Let's just look at Isaiah for just a minute. Isaiah 41, verses 26 through 27. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Bible. Here's what it says. I'm I'm done with that PowerPoint, so you can go to just the Scripture thing there. Isaac, whatever you pull up. Isaiah 41, 26 through 27. This is what Isaiah said. Who told about this from the beginning so that we might know, and from times past so that we might say he is right? No one announced it. No one told it. No one heard your words. I was the first to say to Zion, look, here they are, and I gave a herald of good news to Jerusalem. God is the one, and he speaks to his people good news. Zion is and Jerusalem are, are his people. He speaks good news. Turn to Isaiah chapter 42, verses 8 and 9. I am Yahweh, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. The past events have indeed happened. Now I declare new events. I announce them to you before they occur. You know, Jerome, who's a historian, wrote that, uh, that Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, was the fifth gospel. That's pretty interesting. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are gospels. But Isaiah is so packed with Jesus. You know, often we talk about the prophecies of the Old Testament and how Jesus is the fulfillment of it. But today I want you to think about Jesus actually being the prophet. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 18. We're just going to look at a few more verses here. And then uh, I want us to see how the Lord might help us to apply this today. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, this is Moses, a prophet like me from among your own own brothers. You must listen to him. This is what you requested from the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not continue to hear the voice of the Lord our God or see this great fire any longer so that we will not die. Then the Lord said to me, They have spoken well. It's true. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. Y'all, this is a prophecy of Jesus. Jesus. I think it was Tim that was talking in that classic sermon that he brought the last time I remember him speaking. Boy, talking some about that day that the, the cloud and the, the you know the the challenge of the people. They were scared. They didn't want to. They wanted Moses to stand in between them and God, and um, they didn't want to hear him directly. The prophet is the one that stands before people and speaks. For God, he speaks very clearly. But Mo- uh, Moses says that there's going to be one that's coming after. Turn to do, actually, Peter referred to this in Acts chapter 3. You can write it down if you want to. Acts 3 26, 22 through 26. Let, let me just read it. He's, he's preaching and he says, in Acts 3, he says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You must listen to him in everything he will say to you. And everyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from the people. I've got to read the rest of it. Verse 24. In addition, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those after him have also announced these days... You are the sons of the prophets of the covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. God raised up his servant and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. So Peter quotes what Moses wrote that I just read. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 34 now. We're just about finished with these scriptures, and I'm, I want to just talk to us a little bit about Jesus the prophet and ask the question you know, so, so we can get in on this journey you know, where, where God would take us in understanding those five areas. But Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 10 through 12, listen to this. No prophet has arisen again in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unparalleled for all the signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do against the land of Egypt. To Pharaoh, to all of his officials, and to all of the land. And for all of the mighty acts of power and terrifying deeds that Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. So there's this prophecy that there's going to be another prophet like Moses that's going to be raised up. You know, I looked and just tried to see, you know, who were the first prophets. And there's a sense that Abraham was the first prophet. I think that's the first place that you see the Hebrew word uh, prophet. But the fact is, Adam was a bit of a prophet. Uh, Enoch is one that I would say is a bit of a prophet. But Abraham is the first one that's mentioned. But Moses is the great prophet. Then you have all the other prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elijah, I and mean, then you have the minor prophets that are in, in the, in, listed in the Old Testament. All of these were prophets, but y'all, there was not one of them that actually saw God face to face, heard him straight directly. And, and at the end of the Old Testament, there's 400 years, 400 years before we have Jesus come. There's the prophet John the Baptist who prepared the way. Let me read to you what the Westminster Larger Catechism questions 43 through 45 are. (laughs) Aren't you really interested in this? This came from the 1600s. And again, they were emphasizing Jesus, the prophet, priest, and king. But question 43 says this, How doth Christ execute the office of a prophet? And the answer is, is Christ executeth the office of a prophet in his revealing to the church in all ages by his spirit and word in diverse ways of administration the whole will of God in all things concerning their edification and salvation? Jesus is the prophet that helps us know clearly salvation. He's the one that. Helps us to be built up. Jesus actually said. Uh, he compared uh, in Matthew 7. He talked about the, the men that, that built their house on the sand. Or built it on the rock. The one that built his house on the rock that stands. is. He, he said that's the one that hears what I'm saying. And does it. Let's think about Jesus as a prophet. He is the prophet. He's the one, the prophet. I, I think he's the one that we could put the article the in front of. The prophet. We've said the apostle. He is the prophet. Do you know him as the prophet? What are some things that stand out to you about Jesus as the prophet? Let me just stir you just a little bit. One of the first things that he says is what? Repent. That was a part of his message, repent. That's a prophetic word. And repent is not a sad thing. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing. It's a a great thing. A prophet calls people back to the standards of God. And Jesus said, repent. The kingdom of heaven is near, is here. Repent. Repent. There's something about Jesus being the prophet that actually brings the holiness of God closer to us. I'm not into a works salvation or even a works discipleship. But when we think of God, what do we think of? Do we think of him in his holiness? Does it make us want to come to him in humility? Even though we are sons and daughters of a king. Seeing him as the prophet and understanding what he says to us. When he speaks a prophetic word, just as he spoke over Jerusalem, I think there's a tear in his eye when something needs to change. When a prophet speaks, there should be a change that occurs. He says, see, now here we go. We're already digging in. Text that to me, Tim. He says, I only say what the Father's saying. John chapter 1 actually says that Jesus not only is speaking the word, but he is the word himself. And that's the phrase that's used in Ezekiel and Zechariah and Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to the prophet. And that's the, okay. Thank you, Tim. So the, word, the, way, the way you see in the Old Testament, the way the prophets began is the word of the Lord came to them. It doesn't come to Jesus. He is the word. So what is our response? Let me, let me just, did, has this stirred something in you? Will you help me write this? Because I believe if we can establish establish the track of the apostle Jesus, the prophet Jesus, the evangelist Jesus, the pastor or shepherd Jesus, and the teacher Jesus, and we're flowing on those five tracks, we will continually be discipled, and we will look more and more like Jesus when we sit beside somebody. Okay, so will you help me fill this out? The answer is not to get it. The answer is to get on the tracks. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on this until I die. And it's simply Jesus. It feels like I'm making this complicated. I hope that it's making it more simple. Is it making it simple to you? In some ways, it may seem complicated at first. Because I think in some ways, it's new. Most people, when they have discipleship books, they've got ten books and... They cover all these, or if you have a systematic theology, I think we ought to have a systematic theology that had five chapters. (laughs) A catechism. (laughs) It's simply Jesus. But hopefully this will stir you. In this week ahead, I'm asking you to focus in your prayers and in your studies and ask God to show you how Jesus is the prophet and what are the repercussions for that. All right, here's the question. How do we respond to Jesus? I'm closing it. How do we respond to Jesus? You got your hand raised up, so go ahead. Uh, I was just thinking, you know, applying prophecy to daily life. And um, Jesus, when he talks about the Holy Spirit, he says that there will be a river of living water that will flow out of you. And the word to prophesy is nava. Yes. Yes. That's right. And so, in prophecy, all it is is just letting the Holy Spirit flow out of you, and so it's really less about you working something up, and more of you just releasing what God has given you. So, so boy, you've jumped into way, like you're like about three sermons from now, but that's good fields. You're you're taking it. The, yeah, the the Hebrew word actually means water flowing, and Jesus said uh, it'll be like rivers of water flowing out of you, right? And so it's not something you work out up, it just happens, right? So back up just a little bit. Let me just give you three things, very simply. This is the way we should respond to the prophet. First of all, worship. Now, we don't worship other prophets, but this one we do, because he is the Word. He is the exact representation of God. God spoke through prophets in the old, but now we have the prophet. And our first response to Jesus is to worship him. Okay? The second thing is we need to listen. Do you remember when Jesus was transfigured? He went up on the mountain. And Peter, James, and John got to go with him, just the three. And they saw Jesus. And all of a sudden it says his face glowed like the sun. His clothes were radiant. It was the glory, the full glory of God on Jesus. And he's talking to Moses and Elijah. Okay? Pretty cool group of folks to be hanging with. Peter all of a sudden says something. He goes, hey, let's build some tents, a little... What all Jewish boys would do. It was his religious thing. Let's build some tents. For the three of you, three of them. And then all of a sudden it says, the the voice of God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then he adds something. Listen to this. Listen to him. (laughs) Listen to him. We worship him and we listen to him. Listen to what Jesus says. Read what he says. And the third thing is to obey. There should be a change in our lives when we hear what Jesus says. should be stripping off the lives and we, lies, and we should be more like Jesus. So worship, listen and obey. It doesn't form a word. I'm not doing a little acronym. It's simply Jesus, y'all. OK? I'm not going there. <laughs> All right. So, everything we're doing should be about Jesus. Simply him. He is the full expression of God. He is the word. He is the prophet. Listen to what he says. Let him speak to you. And then we, if as we do that, as we worship him, we become more like him. As we know him, we become more like him. And out of that, we'll come up those springs of water inside of us.